greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to Three Peas in a Pod, episode 194. We made it. Did that one sound more like it came you're, off of It my, flowed. You just, flowed. just flowed. That I one. was talking last week about how I was struggling with the intro because of the new name that we're just not used to yet, but I feel like I'm getting better. Good. I'm always on the improvement. Maybe by you know sometime in the 300s, you'll be good. Maybe. Maybe. We still on I track. I can't imagine we're going to make it to 300. I can't either, but I couldn't imagine we'd get to one. No, that's true. But here we are. I don't know. People still listen. <laughs> Often it's the way things go. I mean, we're probably just going to keep answering questions as long as someone sends questions. I guess. It's their fault. It's yeah. the people who send us the questions. It's so their We're fault. giving the people what they want. Oh, yes, because that's how we roll. <laughs> the people. <laughs> the people. <laughs> we are here for the people. We are. People. So uh, I, we have a quite long question today. Okay. So y'all better strap in because I got a lot to read. It will probably take us longer to read the question than to answer the question. I doubt it. But we'll find <laughs> that out. hasn't ever been true before. Never been true before. At some point, it might. My, it might be because uh, someone sent us a like a prayer or a poem. They would, they, they want, they have an a, a actual question about this prayer or poem kind of thing. So, um, I'll just, I'll just read the context and then we'll get into it. Here we go. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Don't, don't lose focus. I know that's, <laughs> that's one of us has a problem. It's a struggle for you, Ed. <laughs> so just stay with me. Okay. There is a question coming. Here it is. I recently was at church and I heard a sermon, evidently not our church, a church. Uh, I was recently. Because they couldn't hear a sermon at our church. Well, we, I don't think we've ever quoted this. Okay, good. Thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry for getting off. I was recently at a church. I heard a sermon where a pastor quoted a prayer and encouraged us to pray something like it. I don't remember who he said wrote the prayer, but I did take a picture of it and uh, on the screen. And here it is. So here is the prayer poem that they want us to respond to. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Mm, that's good. That is good. That's really good. Do y'all know where that comes from? Yeah, I looked I looked it up when I saw it. It's a Sir Francis Drake, I think, poem. Okay. I think I had to memorize part of that at some okay. point in the my life. The Explorer Sir Francis Drake. Okay. So the question is this. Should I pray that the Lord disturb me? I have a good life, and I don't know that I should be anything other than grateful. Before we answer the direct question, I do want to say this. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Regardless of what our answer to this question is, that says nothing about this pastor's sermon that we have not heard. Because the question comes out of, this pastor told me to do this. Mm -hmm. What do you pastors think I should do? Mm -hmm. We do not know the context of his sermon, nor what he meant in the sermon. So So, we don't want to comment that he did anything wrong. Yeah, I'm just saying, I would... I just thought that one should. should I'll say go. this: the one, the one part I liked about that that I think many of us in uh, the United States of America mm. could just need to contemplate is, and I won't quote this correctly, but his first little couplet is, "Disturb us, O Lord, when I have become content with the things of this world." Hmm. Mm. Some of us could spend some time just asking oh, yes. God, hey, God, what do I need to think about that? 
Yeah. In particular, the, the first couplet says, when the abundance of possessions that, I knew have I made would. me... That's what I meant. Well, I think that part in particular is really important, which is... The abundance of things. I have this abundance of possessions. It's made me no longer, I think, thirst for the waters of life is yep. the way he said it. Yeah. Um, I, I think so that part is certainly very I good. I think it's very true of the cultural moment we sit in in our country. Yeah, I, I walked down to a garage sale in my neighborhood really honestly they were selling the house and I knew these people slightly and I just wanted to say hey where are you moving we're gonna miss you your neighbors all that kind of stuff and of course we also looked around their stuff and uh, they had doll stuff there that were for a little girl mm -hmm. I happen to know their daughters in college mm -hmm. but they've held on to this stuff for a long long time and they were still wanting, I thought, pretty good money for for toys, uh, $50 for some of it. Mm -hmm. And Dang. I'm thinking, uh, and I'm just thinking, you know, here's a person who lives in a nice neighborhood because I don't, I live in a nice neighborhood. They've got uh, this abundance of stuff. They're not going to even take it with them. Mm -hmm. They could have just given it mm -hmm. to somebody. Yeah. But instead of giving it, they want to. That I and I, it's not critical. I'm just saying this is the way of our world. Yeah, this is the way of our country. If I can get something out of it, I should. I should. That and people would say that's good stewardship. Yeah. Well, it might be good maybe. stewardship, yeah, or good stewardship might be that I was not everything given to me was for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything that comes to me is not necessarily for me. Uh, God intended for me to get the blessing of being able to help somebody else with it, mm. and so. This person's question was, I feel mostly grateful. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and you but I sensed in the question that maybe they were struggling with that phrase, Lord, disturb me. Yeah. If, if as, as that might mean that, that they would be something other than grateful. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a level uh, to the Christian life, mostly what God is doing, depending on how you interpret the word disturb, doesn't always mean a negative thing, right? No. That God sometimes disturbs me in a way that he is uh, mm -hmm. poor, you know, kind of get in the waters of my soul to kind of, you know, bubble up a little bit. But then sometimes the disturbing is I, I become pretty convicted of something. And I do think you know, once again, uh, not even to say something to the poem, because I read the rest of the poem. Not sure I like the rest of the poem. That part of the poem is pretty good, though. And what, what it seems that the author means in that part about disturbing us when we become, you know, the abundance of possessions has made us no longer thirst for the waters of life. I think there is a way in which, uh, in the kind of affluent county we live in, don't know who the listener is, where they live, but in the, the fluent county we live in, we really do think that the goal is to get to a place where, uh, we talk about this on our sister podcast, Not Great Parents podcast, Ooh. a frictionless life. Oh, yeah. And that, because I don't know many people that would say they love money. I don't know anyone who would say they love money. <laughs> Jesus seems to think the love of money is a pretty big problem. All of us think we don't love money. We, you know, we got a lot of money. Yeah. I like to do a lot of stuff with money. I don't got a problem with money. Though. It really bothers me if I lose any. Yeah. Or yes. if the government wants or more of it. Somebody takes more or than somebody, I yeah, they should. That's yes. right. I don't love it, but boy, I get really upset if something happens to it. Yes. Yeah. And there seems to be this idea, I think, for a lot of us that think, 
what really stands between me and a frictionless life, a life where nothing really disturbs, let's use that word, for that's the word, nothing really disturbs me, nothing really bothers me, is if I could get enough money, maybe I could live in a nice enough house with the kind of accommodations I have, and maybe I could get a little gate around that community. And maybe if I could do that, I could keep out any other disturbances that might exist. And maybe when there's something wrong with my health, if I had enough money, I wouldn't be too disturbed by that health problem. Maybe I could get enough things that life would not be a problem for me. Mm. And that I do think that what God is trying to do in the life of a believer, the disturbing me does lead me to gratitude. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. That, And I don't just mean, I mean, there's the very basic way of saying it, which is, you know, you go to a third world country, you get disturbed by their poverty, and you're so grateful for what you have. That's one level. But then there's another one, which is when I get disturbed enough to do something, mm-hmm. when I get disturbed enough to even suffer alongside somebody else, I become not grateful for the things I have. I become very grateful for the life God has given me. Um, I think in terms of, you know, if something, I have a friend right now whose child is, you know, in a bad situation health-wise, has had a critical kind of situation in their life. And uh, and this is an adult child. Their parents are my age. And it's not disturbing to the parent that if they had to get rid of a bunch of their stuff mm. to help this child, yeah. that wouldn't be disturbing to them at all. Yeah. It would be they'd be thankful that they had it, had it. Mm-hmm. and that they could get it. In fact, the parents I know would be willing to go into debt of That's stuff right. they didn't have because they're so disturbed by what was happening for the kid that they could help the kid. Mm-hmm. And it's because the love for the kid is greater than the stuff that they have. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I, if I were to pray a prayer, disturb me, O oh Lord, what I'm saying is, God, are there things in this world that disturb you that ought to disturb me? Yes. Are there things that I can see, if you were to open my eyes, that ought to disturb me, that I might do with some of the things you have flowed toward me, even my time, Mm -hmm. even my prayer, even Mm -hmm. my tears, that I might literally cry over something that's happening that maybe I can't even figure out what to do about it, but that I would be caring enough about it that my emotions would be moved, that I might pray before you about it, because I do believe prayer does something. It's not just something I do. That. You might find a deeper relationship with God by praying, disturb me about the things that disturb you. And I think most Christians believe they're probably a thing or two in this world that disturbed Jesus. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Well, he wept. He, yeah. He had, he was moved with compassion. Yeah. I mean, that, that word compassion is a gut wrenching mm-hmm. word that we could translate compassion. I, I think that picture is of Jesus being mm-hmm. disturbed. I do too. So, Think, I think that's a good thing. Well, and I do think I do think gratitude, I think it's Ronald Rollheiser, who's a, uh, uh, a priest who wrote this book that was very influential to me. He said the, the chief sign of spiritual maturity is the person who can be truly grateful. The person who lives their life truly grateful that they realize everything God has given me is a gift. Even these, um, even these sufferings, there's something in them. 
I can I can go to God and be grateful, right? You know, rejoice always. Doesn't you know, rejoice in the Lord doesn't mean I rejoice for the suffering, but I rejoice because of God in the middle of whatever this is. And I think there is a way in which most of us would say, man, I'm so grateful for my life. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up. Everyone's going to sit around and say what they're thankful for. And most people are not thankful. Um, most people have a, a cheap gratitude, which mostly means these are the things I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm thankful. And everyone knows this. Thankful for my new car. When I have, when when I get the car, I'm pretty quickly not thankful for it. Pretty later, I think. I think when, it was in when, a certain when it dies, I'm not thankful for it. Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> thankful for it when there's a new car that has better features, oh, and I really want to have yeah. that thing. You know, um, I think I think it was in a sermon Ed did. It might have been yours. We there was a study done about how um, when you have higher expectations, yeah. you're no longer your gratitude d- diminishes mm-hmm. and your entitlement goes up. Yeah, right. We are a very entitled group of uh, yeah. believers. Mm-hmm. And we, by and large, begin to expect this frictionless life, this, because I've got the money, it should kind of work. I was uh, recently in a situation where there was someone in my life who I very much love, uh, who f- didn't have a vehicle at the time. And so my wife and I both have a vehicle. And so I said, you can borrow our vehicle. And because of that, my wife had to drive me everywhere. <laughs> and my kids were very inconvenienced. And I will tell you this much. They were very disturbed. Uh, they were very, why are we driving daddy everywhere? And I said, well, you know, you know, daddy's friend. And we were talking about her. And I said, she has, she doesn't have a car right now. And they, because they're reading scripture, I said, so what does John the Baptist say you should do when you have two shirts and someone else doesn't have one? They said, you're supposed to give it to them. Yep. I said, so we have two cars. She got no car. Mm-hmm. That seems easy calculus to me. That's right. And I said, so we give them one. And I, and they said, oh, this is really difficult, though, to have to you know coordinate going to pick up daddy and come and do these things. And I said, but imagine if you had no car mm-hmm. and, and you couldn't do anything else. And I said, I'm a little grateful for the fact that I've been able to be, and I didn't use this word because we didn't have this, disturbed mm-hmm. alongside them. Mm-hmm. That there is a way that love, uh, the way the uh, Paul says it in Romans, is I, I mourn with those who mourn. And maybe I should be disturbed alongside those who are disturbed. Like you said, mm-hmm. when there's someone I love, when it's a child of mine and their life is difficult, I don't go, well, okay, I hope everything's okay, and then go off to my business. I'm disturbed. I carry that. I hold yeah, that's that. Right. And there is a way in which, but, and I want to get to this about the gratitude part. There's a way in which I have a deeper gratitude, not just for the things in my life, for the people in my life, for the opportunity to help somebody, for the fact that God has given me a different perspective on life than I had before. All these different things. You get these, you get, there's a sense of gratitude in this deepness of, I didn't deserve any of this. The fact that I have two cars, this person does not have one, that does not say anything about me. It says something about the goodness of God, not only that he would bless me, but that he would allow me to be a blessing to this person because yeah. in the end, this person is blessed not because of me. Yeah. They are blessed because of God. That's well, right. And it's the, as you described it there, Nathan, it is the disturbance yes. that leads to that gratitude. That's Correct. Right. You know, That's right. it made me think of one of the, one of the number one things that um, I encourage clients that I'm counseling to do when they are steeped in, um, you know, not necessarily clinical depression. So let's, let's, that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about 
depressive thinking. Mm-hmm. Let's use the, that term sure. because that's a little more distinctive. When well, you're just struggling to find the good in your life, right. you know, which we all do from mm-hmm. time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, Certain seasons are Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We Certain all go through them, right? Mm-hmm. So right. one of the number one things that I work with clients on is I say, okay, here's what I want you to do. And I send them home and I say, I want you to keep a gratitude journal right. for the next seven days or until we get back together. And, and the way I have them do it is I say, uh, every night before you go to bed, I want you to sit and write five things for which you are grateful in that moment. And I want you to keep that piece of paper. And then the next night, you got to come up with five new ones. You can't just repeat. Right. And I said, so over the next seven days, you're going to have a list of 35 things. And then once they get to there, I say, now I want you to go back and do it again, but you got to start at the end. And what that does is that makes me dive deeper into my mm-hmm. life. And, and it makes me actually start to look around. Mm-hmm. And to see, and I said, pretty soon you're going to have to start looking for things you're thankful for rather than just reciting the ones. That's and, right. and they often report when I had to actually start digging and looking around my life, I started looking going, wow, there are things here that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. And then they get that disturbance of why did I not see that? Mm-hmm. Why did I not see this thing that I know I, I should not take for granted, right. that I should be grateful for? So in that way, to, to the person's question, I think disturbance can lead you to that gratitude, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I think this idea that that what God wants for me is for me to kind of have this life that then I would look back and be grateful for the life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has led us sometimes to this more entitled thinking, going back to that kind of comparison where, I really think the life is what I'm supposed to be grateful for. And it's really God I'm meant to be grateful for, mm. how how good he is, how faithful he mm. is. Um, and so, you know, even that exercise, you know, even if I'm in a really bad season and a really bad, and I don't see things to be grateful for, maybe there are things in my life that I feel like I shouldn't be grateful for. That's that. right. Even in that, mm-hmm. as I do that, I start to find things even within those things that I thought I wasn't supposed to be grateful for. I go, well, yeah. I do see a blessing there and I do yeah. see this. And that the ultimate goal is that I become the kind of person who can give my life away in such a way um, that I can love God and love others properly, that I do so in the way Jesus said to do so. Um, and that requires disturbance. But that that ultimately I become grateful for because um, that also is a gift of God that he is working in my life in such a way to allow me to do that. I partnered with him, sure. There are things I have to do, but um, not not everybody allows that to happen. And when you allow the Spirit of God to work within you in such a way um, that the things that once uh, didn't disturb you now do disturb you, I think I, at least I have become more grateful. I have started to see um, this life really isn't about me and that what a blessing it is to know it's not about me because it is... It is an oppressive thing to live under the thought, I have to make my life good and pleasing because when I go through a difficult circumstance, I'm now the one who's got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I'm now the one that's got to do this, which then leads me deeper into either anxiety or depression or some kind of, Mm -hmm. because it's it's bad thinking. It's backwards thinking that somehow Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's got to solve this problem. Um, I become very grateful for, man, God pulled me through that or God's at work in this or all of that. I think the disturbance, like we've said, mm-hmm. it leads to this sense of gratitude. So I would say, if to get back to the original question, to the person who asked it, I would I would say lean into it. 
Yeah. Uh, pray that prayer. I mean, what do you got to lose? Pray that prayer for 20 days or, you know, a period of time. Just pray that prayer and be honest about it. And and then just look around. Mm-hmm. And I do I do think the Lord would answer you there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll, I'll say this. I was sitting here thinking about being somewhere, listening to message, which, you know, mm-hmm. I've certainly had that experience. And something moved me enough to grab my phone and take a picture of it. Yeah. I probably was moved in the moment that this is something I ought to think about. Mm-hmm. And But I've also had the experience that, and I'm, I don't know you, so please don't be offended. I don't mean to offend you because this has happened to me. Then I start thinking about it and something in me goes, oh, you, you don't need to do anything about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, You don't need to change that. That mm-hmm. is, that's not, I mean, look at all, you're already whatever. Mm-hmm. So just let that go. Yeah, I think the Holy Spirit might've been speaking to you mm-hmm. in the moment that made you take that picture. And you probably ought to, like you said, yeah. there, there's Amen. enough, there is enough broken things in this world that need to be fixed. Or, or at least spend enough time to where you and the Lord can can wrestle with this long enough for you to come to a conclusion of what is disturbing me? What, is, what does that look like? And is it a need for me right in this moment where I'm at? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with you and the Lord wrestling with, with this. And if you come out the other end and and nothing comes of it, well, all right, you did the work. You, yeah. you surrendered that to the Lord and you and him dealt with it. And now you can move on to the next thing. But, Maybe you could start with the question of why does it disturb me that I ought to think about being disturbed? Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm just saying, you know, because the guy wanted me to be disturbed, but it disturbs me that I should that be. I even. So I'm now going to question that. Maybe you ought to talk to God. Why? Why would it be a problem? Because God's not going to lead me to anything that's for my bad. Mm. If me asking God to disturb me makes me think my life's going to become terrible. Well, now I have to say what we've always said. The most important thing is what you think about when you think about God. And if you think somehow God has been waiting for you to pray something so he can go, (laughs) (laughs) I have been waiting for this moment to screw them up. You know, we have a bad picture of God. God's not trying to give you a horrible life. That's right. Whatever you pray, he's going to answer in a way that is for your good. Well, and I do think the thing you said there that I thought was huge and I, you know, we just often, when you hear it a different way too, the voice of, the, the voice that wants to drive me back to comfort, um, when I feel disturbed by something, when I look at something and I'm disturbed by it, and I go, mm, I don't know if that's right. When I look at the abundance of my possessions and I go, man, I, I don't really thirst after God very much. I don't hunger for righteousness. I don't weep a lot. I don't feel a lot of compassion towards other people. All these things that you sort of see in the teaching of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And I don't want, that's disturbing. The nature of compassion is it disturbs me, right? It's in my gut. I feel it. I want to do something. The voice that goes, no, go back to comfort is more likely the spirit of this age the uh, the 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 way that we live in this age of hey just pull out your phone and look at TikTok a little longer you won't have to think about that anymore. Comfort is, mm-hmm. comfort is very much a drug that puts us to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yes, and what I think is interesting, we've talked a lot about this age, and we talk about on TikTok, Netflix binging, whatever it is. But this was written by Sir Francis Drake a long time ago. A long time ago, a time where he was on a boat in the middle of the ocean with nothing going on. He's like, "Man, I got too much stuff." And it's, scurvy is right around the corner. 
<laughs> you think about the way that he thinks about that, and that's mm. the nature, I think, within human beings is I want to move to this place of comfort, and that's what we think really the American dream uh, that we often mix in with the good news of Jesus, and we think it's that, is that God's getting me to a place that when I retire, I can go sit on the beach and just have a really comfortable life, and I may have to put some work in, a disturbing work when I'm in my 20s and 30s, and it should get a little easier every year, getting closer to retirement, and then it's smooth sailing. That's, right. That's not in the gospel of Jesus. No. And when you look at the life of Jesus, the closer he got to Jerusalem, the more disturbed he seemed to be. Yeah. The closer he got, the more ups upset about stuff, the more compassion he felt, the more you see him weeping. And I think there's a way in which um, we have really thought a good and enjoyable and pleasing kind of life is one where I don't cry that much and I don't, I don't feel a lot of, I'm not upset about a lot of stuff. Um, and that probably is, going back to Jason's other thing, because we have such a bad thought process around mental health, we think any kind of what we label as negative emotions, there are no you know, bad emotions, but we label them that way as, I shouldn't feel... I just thought we used to call people that struggle with mental challenges disturbed. They were disturbed. Mm, right. And so that's, but that's the feeling I think we a lot of have is, I want to go and get it so I don't even have to feel sad ever that's again. Right. I don't ever have to feel upset about something I see in the world. Well, that's not the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. The life of Jesus is not, I look at things in the world and I go, well, that's not my problem. I don't have to feel bad about that no. or think anything negative about that. It's that old thing of the only way past that is through it. That's yes. right. And I, I, I talk to clients about that all the time is, you know, the best way to, to not feel sad anymore is to feel sad. Yeah, uh, that's, right. that's right. That's right. You got to let it out. Investigate it. Uh, unpack it, talk it out with somebody, and let's go through it. Let's write, you know, I use the uh, image of, it's like standing in the ocean and waves are coming. You can't stop the wave. It's going to hit you. The, but if you try to steel yourself against it and not feel it, you're going to get knocked down. Right. But if you ride it and let it go, take you where it's going to take you for a bit, not not in an unhealthy way, but, sure. but in a controlled way and understanding it better, it's eventually going to just die on down, and, it, right. and they're always temporary. Just pretty much every single situation, it'll be temporary, and you'll get past it. And I think when it comes to things that would disturb me in the world, when I look at poverty, when I look at the suffering of people, um, there's a way in which going into that emotion, into the compassion, into the sadness for someone else— I actually meet God there because He was there. Yep. I said to my girls one time, I love, I love all kinds of art stuff because it's a really way to open me up often to um, emotions that allow me to uh, really meet God in those things. We were watching a, a movie. It's a great movie. Talked about it on our old debunked, uh, uh, or defunct, I should say. Debunked. Uh, uh, yeah, we didn't debunk anything about it. I, mean, I guess you could, but the Family Movie Night podcast, we oh, talked yeah. about the movie. Just Mercy. It's a great movie. It is a good movie. We wa I watched it with my daughters, and we got to the end of the movie, and I was just so overwhelmed. This frequently happens. My girls make fun of it. And then I just I just wept for about two minutes as the credits go. I often watch credits. No one watches credits. I often just sit and to kind of feel the yeah. emotion, mm -hmm. whatever it was. I sat there crying, and one of my daughters came over and said, Daddy, the movie's over. He didn't die, because that's how the mm -hmm. spoiler alerts for Just Mercy. He got it. Why are you crying? And I just said... I think Jesus is crying about this, and so I feel like I should cry with him. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a way in which if I don't want to be disturbed, I'm often missing out on where Jesus is, mm -hmm. that he's 
weeping as we see him weep over Jerusalem. He's weeping over the problems in our world. And there's a way in which when I weep alongside, I meet him in that thing. And then I get to be grateful. Thank you, God, that you woke me up to this, that I see I see that this, as Ed said uh, Sunday in the message, this is not right and it won't be this way forever. That's right. There is a gratefulness, even in that kind of suffering, to say, there is the fact that my soul would say this isn't right, because there's a way in which in American culture, in every culture, but we live in America, I want to kind of say, well, that's just the way things go. That's just that kind of suffering. You don't pay your bills. That's what happens. You don't work hard enough. You're, you're going you're gonna to be in bad situations. And the fact that I could weep alongside those situations and go, regardless of what personal responsibility someone brings, there shouldn't be people who go hungry. No. And whether, what, no matter what my responsibility is to deal with that, to be able to weep and say, God, one day that won't be so. Thank you. There's gratitude on the other side of that. Mm. All right. So, as I've been saying for the past few weeks, we're still taking questions. There's still yes. a link in the description. You can still uh, reach out to us, and we will get to those as we can, as we inch ever, ever closer to the 200th episode. Yeah. Nathan has promised me food. I'm <laughs> holding him to that. All right. Once again, because that's what I care about. Well, there me you too. go. I'm dis- there you go. I would be disturbed. <laughs> you would be disturbed. If we- if well, for the through. sake of your spiritual health, I'm going to let you be disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll be grateful for the food you do have, Jason. Uh, thanks. I'll uh, into that. I admit. All right. So you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.